This week on Thinking Biblically, we're going to be looking at what the Bible has to say about standing up for what is right. Welcome to Thinking Biblically. My name is Alan Gilman. Thinking Biblically is a podcast dedicated to exploring how all of Scripture speaks to all of life. Please don't forget to subscribe, as well as share and like and review. Please feel free to leave comments down below. Last week, uh, I had the privilege of interviewing an old high school friend who I reconnected after over 40 years just a couple of months ago. Uh, Howard Margolian is a professional historian, now retired. One of his specialties was the early Nazi period, and so some weeks ago we got together for coffee to talk about what were the dynamics that led to Nazi totalitarianism. How could it be that a society like Germany of that day, uh, which was a which was an advanced, uh, in many ways, a good society, how could they fall into the vortex of such groupthink and 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 going along with such great evil? Uh, so then we had the podcast last week, and the conversation went a little differently from our coffee time, which was okay, especially how we landed, or Howard landed on this this thing that he kept saying several times, which is so simple, but very profound and quite alarming. And he talked about his own recent decision about doing something that he himself felt that he shouldn't have done, but didn't anyway, did it anyway. And it was this idea of going along to get along. And uh, at the same time, we ended up discussing a little bit about the book that I'd loaned to him called Live Not By Lies by Rod Dreher. And uh, interestingly, just a few days later, Jordan Peterson interviewed Rod Dreher. And I encourage you to watch that, that interview because it relates to this, this same topic of what is it that causes people to go against what they know is, is what they should do and yet go along with the crowd. And so what we're going to do this week is look at what the Bible has to say about standing up for what's right. So I, when I think on a, a topic like, like this, my mind goes back to a segment of a show uh, that my son and I were watching some years ago uh, called Brain Games. It's produced by National Geographic. And uh, in the episode in season five, episode eight, on peer pressure, there is a segment which is a social experiment whereby an unsuspecting person arrives for an eye exam, not knowing that the other people in the waiting room are planted there for the experiment. As she's waiting, a tone sounds. In response, all the others stand up and sit down. You can see the woman's taken aback by this, but after three tones and everyone else is standing up and sitting down, she does the same. This goes on while the others are one by one called for their supposed appointment. She continues to join those who are left standing and sitting in response to the tone until she's the only one left besides the receptionist. And yet she still stands and sits in response to the tone. Then other people, like herself, begin to arrive. The first person seeing her behavior questions it. She tells him that everyone was doing it, and so he does it too. As others join them, they too are caught up in the behavior with no understanding as to why. After she is finally called in, the group that is left continues to stand up and sit down. 
This is followed by university professor Dr. Jonah Berger from the University of Pennsylvania, who explains this phenomenon. We aren't told in the show that he's a marketing expert, which is no surprise. He says, Quote, this sort of internalized form of herd behavior is part of what we call social learning, starting at a very early age when we see members of our group perform a task, our brains literally award us for following in their footsteps. This is followed by a quote from the woman. She says, when I saw everybody stand up, I felt like I needed to join them. Otherwise, I'm excluded. Once I decide to go with it, then I felt much more comfortable. As Dr. Berger explained, th this is not all negative. It's, 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 there's a positive aspect to that. Human beings have been wired to, to fit in properly in social situations. Now, that's not always easy, of course. Maybe you've experienced what's called culture shock, where you've lived in one culture for a while, and then you go to another culture, and it takes a while to adapt. But in time, most of us do, and that's a very good thing. Now, it could also get us into trouble. Perhaps you've heard of uh, the frog in the boiling water as uh, an illustration of this. And in that illustration, the uh, a, fr a frog is supposedly placed in cool water. The water slowly heated up over time. And because the frog is so adaptable, doesn't realize that eventually he's being boiled to death. Now, I looked it up, and apparently the boiling frog is a myth. Actually, when the frog will feel the water heating up and will jump out of the pot. Now, this might suggest, therefore, that humans are dumber than frogs. Well, at least we can be. Because we have such great capability to adjust to our environments, and that is basically a good thing, it can also mislead us. It can get us into big trouble. Uh, you may be aware of the story of the emperor's new clothes as as a, an illustration of how not to be taken in by the crowd where it's this boy is the only one in the in the parade is watching the parade of the emperor showing off his new clothes which actually there's he's he's naked but everyone has been pressured or shamed into uh into saying that they think we don't even know what they're really thinking in that story do they really do they think that he's wearing something because they've been told it's sh it's shameful to to not see these these clothes or um are they just like howard said are they going along to get along exactly what's going on in we individuals when we begin to act out what we don't think is right, and we do it anyway, what's really going on? Howard said that he knew better. Now, did he really know better? Or was when he was looking back, he, he felt that he knew better? Maybe he said to somebody that he knew better and he was doing it anyway? And it might be different for different people, but we tend to go along to get along like the crowd in the emperor's new clothes. Now, it took a child who, in his or her innocence, simply blurted out, the king is naked. The king's not wearing anything. And, and sometimes we think, oh, well, we have to be like that, that person. But there are elements to adaptability that are complex, and that some of that is good, and some of those good things, that the need to, to not unnecessarily stick out, the, the need to not be contrary just for its own sake, because some people do. Some people are just contrary for contrary's sake. Uh, this is not, uh, I'm not sharing this today to just encourage people to be different. 
to be different. And I've known people like that, that where if there's a particular fad, they're going to do something else, not because they necessarily like the other thing, but because if something's popular, they're against it. If everyone's going to see that movie, they don't want to go see that movie, not whether the movie's good or bad, just because everybody is seeing it. And so there are some people that are just contrary. They like being different. It seems to me they're in the minority. Now, some of those people might help us to see that something is wrong, because in the case of the Emperor's New Clothes, the boy or the girl, it depends how the story is told, uh, the young person was correct. And because they weren't, um, they, they, they weren't full of the complexity of trying to go along to get along, they were able to tell it like it is. Um, and so people that have that ability for whatever reason could clue us in that something's going on in the society that isn't right and maybe we should take a stand. Um, this, this is all to say that um, we need to learn how to better assess the situation we're in, life, the society, and, and then respond accordingly. And so we're going to start by looking at what the Bible has to say about individual responsibility. And we're going to do that by first looking at the Hebrew Scriptures and how it emphasizes the individual. Some people, when they read the Bible, think that uh, the individual doesn't really matter, that it's all about the corporate or the community. There is definitely um, an emphasis on the corporate nature of people the corporate nature of the people of God, but it seems to me, according to the Bible, that there, without a proper emphasis on the importance of the individual and how they function within community and within the corporate, without that emph emphasis on the individual, then the corporate cannot be what God designed it to be. Now, this goes all the way back to when God created human beings, um, and he created uh, male and female in the image of God. Now, you might look at male and female and see how in, within that uh, unity and diversity that that's the image of God, and then you might want to say that therefore the image is a corporate thing expressed in men and women, in family, and so on. But there is a sense in which uh, that there's a sense in which the individual that person themselves is created in God's image. We see this reflected in what God has to say about punishment uh, for murderers. In Genesis 9, verse 6, we read, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Again, I'm not diminishing the importance of family and other corporate expressions of humanity, but we see here that the individual human is made in God's image. We also see this emphasis on the individual through the key Bible characters. God isn't simply looking for the, the nation of Israel, for example, to be um, everything it should be as a corporate entity its, itself and, and on it. How can you be a community on its own? But I think you know what I mean. It, the individuals aren't invisible within the nation. In fact, 
God calls individuals to lead. God calls individuals to make a difference. Moses is, is huge, of course, in the Hebrew Scriptures that he calls this man. Now, he ends up getting his brother to help, and, and, and so there's this interplay between the individual and others, but each individual makes a difference. And Moses, of course, makes a huge difference. It's Moses who's called to confront the world power of his day to make a difference. And then we see David. David's another huge example. And he's not alone in this. There, David, um, especially in the, the story of David and Goliath, but not only there, David made such a huge difference in the life of the nation and for the whole world and how God used him to, to reveal himself to the world, of course, through his Psalms and the other things that, that he did. Uh, but there was the corporate dis, dysfunctioning. Is that a verb? Dysfunctioning. And it was David who upon getting to the front lines of the battle with the Philistines, seeing Goliath going on and on about, about his challenge, and nobody, nobody was willing to face this challenge, but David understood the truth, the truth that the God of Israel could be trusted to fight this giant. And once he took his stand, and once he conquered Goliath, then that drew the other individuals into the battle against the Philistines. This continues in so many different ways, and we can point out the various ones, and, and whether it's the 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 uh, the young servant girl uh, who tells the Syrian or Aramean uh, 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 military man Naaman, who is suffering from leprosy, she's the one who brings the information that there's somebody in Israel, Elijah, who could help him in being cured. So the, we see this, the, the encouragement for the individual to stand up and to speak up, to say the thing that other people aren't saying, to say the thing that is true, not just is not speaking up and standing up for its own sake, but it's speaking up and standing up and speaking up for the sake of the truth, for the betterment of other people. And that could be very scary. It was very scary, I'm sure, for the prophets. All these individuals who were willing to stand out, to stand up, and to speak out for the sake of the people, for the sake of what God wanted in their day. And, and so the, the Hebrew Scriptures are full of this emphasis on the individual. Now, standing up and speaking out is not about anarchy. It's not about everyone doing what they think is right in their own eyes. It's learning how to stand for what is objectively true and right. Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 6 reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Now, I may have mentioned before on, on Thinking Biblically how this these two verses, uh, we had a plaque in our early days of marriage, I think it was given to us as a wedding gift. We, In our little dinette room, we had it up on the wall. And one of our our relatives, of course Jewish, because my wife and I are both Jewish, so our relatives are Jewish. So one of our Jewish relatives were over, was over and made a comment about this plaque. Uh, this person was a devout atheist, and their understanding of trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, the way they read it meant don't think for yourself. Go along with what your religion dictates to you. And there's something 
um, there's a, a bit of an irony here because the when an atheist disses a believer for following what they believe is right according to what their religion says, the atheist is behaving as if they don't have any philosophy or way of living that they're appealing to, that somehow they're the ones that are li that's living according to objective truth, while the follower of God is not. But anyway, that aside, what this verse actually uh, teaches is how the individual needs to entrust themselves to what is really true. The Bible is is claiming, and I believe this claim is correct, that it's a revelation of what is actually true. And so when we trust in the Lord with all our hardly non on our own not on our own understanding, what that's saying is don't just go along with your feelings, which is of course in the in the the brain games uh segment, uh the woman was assessing what was going on. It didn't make any sense to her whatsoever, and she just went along to get along, and it made her feel better. And that's what we tend to do. But if we're trusting in the Lord with all our heart and not leaning on our own understanding, then we're free to connect with objective truth, reality, for what it is on its own, and live accordingly. Okay, now let's turn to the New Covenant writings and and, and see what it has to say about individual responsibility. Of course, it could say more stories of the Hebrew Scriptures, but let's move on. So first of all, um, and just it's first because I'm sharing it first, I'm not saying it's the most important, we have Yeshua's invitation to, quote-unquote, follow me. And this underscores the importance of the individual whether he's saying it to an individual, as we see, or he's saying it to the crowds, follow me, who's going to respond? Now, of course, when there's an invitation to a group of people, what we tend to do, many of us, unless you're in the minority, look around at other people. What, what are they doing? What, what are you doing? What, are they, what, 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 what should we do? But the, the call is, is not to the crowd to come, but it's to you and to me. And as similar, similarly, as I was saying with Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, this is not a call to give up our over our minds, but a full engagement of our individuality, where, where we hear the importance of this call by the Messiah himself to follow in the mission of God, which is a reconnecting with the plans and purposes of God right from the beginning of, of creation to be the people that we've been called to be. That we are going to learn, if we respond to Yeshua's call to follow him, we will truly become the human beings that we were designed to be. We see in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 that individuals will give an account for what each one of us have, have done in our bodies. We read here, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of the Messiah so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Every one of us will give an account as for how we individually have lived. In Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, we have Yeshua's parable of the talents, where different ones are given different talents, in this case, literal silver, 
um, and they're given different amounts based on their different abilities. And then they're called to account for what they did with their talents. We're going to be called to account for what we do with our metaphorical talents. Each one of us have been given different kinds of abilities, and we are required by God, whether you're a believer or not, we are required by God to use His these abilities that He has given us in the ways that He has wanted us to. We're going to be called to account as individuals. Uh, so speaking of talents and, and gifts, um, the body metaphor that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 also calls for individual responsibility as well as the respect of others. Now, so here we have uh, a passage. You now, the, the community of believers in the in the town of Corinth seemed to be pretty dysfunctional, where they would get together and there'd be, you know, my my gifts are better than your gifts and should have predominance, and and there seemed to be a lot of clamoring and people speaking over one another. It was pretty dysfunctional, and he was trying to bring order to this dysfunctional community. They they had all this gifting, but they weren't using it in the way that they should, and so he's speaking to a community, helping them to function better as a community. Well. How do we function as a community in the way that God wants? It's by functioning as individuals as we should. And if we take individual responsibility for ourselves within community, then we contribute to healthy community. Interestingly, when Paul writes his letters, who's he writing to? Now, there's some letters to individuals, but then he writes to various believing communities. He, he's not addressing the leaders. They're included, but he's actually expecting that his words of encouragement and correction and so on would be writ, read to the community. So that means the individuals of that community were to hear what Paul was uh, what he wrote, and they were to respond accordingly. Well, then, if the individual is so important and there is this need to, to stand up and speak up and speak out, what is this thing we read about in Philippians 2, verse 2, for example, of being of one mind? Does that not suggest that we should give up our individuality for the sake of other people? Well, the body metaphor that just talked about in 1 Corinthians 12 um, urges us how to live with differences. We also see this in Romans 14, for example, where people have these differences. And I, I talk about this further in my podcast on unity and division. I will put the link to that in the description. Um, you could check that out. Uh, that, yes, there is an emphasis on, on being united, but we do that by expressing our diversity in such a way that contributes to unity. Never does the Bible call for God's communities to be totally uniform. Um, and so there's this interplay between being like-minded with one another, but not in a conformist sort of way. It's not everybody all doing the same thing. And if, and if somehow you're not keeping in step with what we're doing, then you're out. That's not the scriptural approach to community. And I like to think of a couple of illustrations with regard to how we're called to function as individuals within larger groups. The first one is marching in the military. Not that I've ever done this, but 
when you look at people marching together, you've probably seen or maybe you've been part of 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 a march of, of this sort. Everybody is marching along exactly the same. Well, how do you do that? Do you do that by completely being focused on the group? Not really. You keep in step yourself with the orders, you know, left, 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 right, left. You have to pay attention. Now, you need to be aware of the people around you. Maybe you missed, missed you know, halt. And, and if you're not being aware, you're going to bump into the person in front of you. You need to, to have a sense of the people around you, but you yourself are responsible to march in line, you yourself. Maybe a better illustration and one of my favorites is the orchestra. It, um, in an orchestra, you have, there's so many things going on. So you have you yourself with your instrument, you have the music in front of you, um, and you have a conductor at the front who is guiding, keeping time, giving various directions as you go along. And so as a musician sitting in your seat, or if you're in the percussion section where I like to be standing up, um, you have to do several things at once. You have to follow the music. You have to have an eye on the conductor. And you have to be aware of all the other musicians around you. And But only you can play your instrument. Only you can do it. And um, if something's going wrong, you need to be true to the music, true to, and you've got to balance all these things. It's not an easy thing to properly in the sense fit in but take responsibility now not everything in life is like marching in the military or uh, like an orchestra these are very well organized community events and you know life doesn't doesn't work exactly like that most of the time anyway this all to say that so being of one mind is more about attitude it's not the giving up of self in order to be part of the of the bigger group which is what happens when groupthink sets in what's illustrated in the the woman in the um in the waiting room where she gave up her better judgment just to go along and of course in in her case she was being manipulated but didn't know it uh, and very often that manipulation sometimes it's actually happening uh, other times it's not known of course in that illustration, in, in that social experiment, eventually there was nobody there knowingly manipulating the other people. They had caught the group think and they were just passing it on to others. And that's often what happens in our social situations. And we need to break free of that. Now, you might want to know, well, what's our relationship to leaders? Well, leaders have their role, but they're not to think for us. Just like the conductor has his role, but they don't think for us. And so we need to be careful. So how do we know when a leader is leading us badly? And we're going to look at that in a minute. How do we, how do we, how do we stand up? Uh, how do we know when to speak out? We'll get into that in a, in a moment. Now, doesn't Yeshua talk about dying to self? What about that? Luke 9, 23 to 24. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So this sounds like um, give up your individuality, care, care nothing about yourself and your own thoughts and, and so on, and just 
blindly in a sense follow how do you blindly follow you're gonna bump into things but and maybe that's the point we need to not blindly follow we have to follow but with our eyes open uh, and with regard to yeshua he's not telling us to destroy self entirely he's talking it's about giving up personal preferences uh, not giving in to one's own feelings one's own desires but making sure that our eyes are set on what is good and right in, in yeshua's case he's never going to lead us down the wrong path now what people say about him and what people teach about him might so good leaders should be uh, should be pointing towards yeshua and his truth and so denying self is not giving up personhood it's saying no to self-directed or selfish living and so we need to intelligently engage um and so when Yeshua calls us, he calls us to follow him, to, to, to say no to self, he's actually calling us to individual responsibility. Um, Romans 12 verses 1 to 2 is, is very interesting here in, in how it calls us to, to, again, take individual responsibility. Uh, we read, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds. This is verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so we are called to test. We are called to, in part of our giving ourselves to God, and as we our minds are transformed, there's a process there where we learn to discern the will of God by proving that it's true. And only we ourselves as individuals can do that. Um, I deal with this in a recent article that I wrote, but I'll put the link in the description, where I, I quote uh, Yeshua again, Luke 12, verses 54 to 56. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? So he's saying, we people, all in ancient times, he's talking to the crowds, you can predict the weather, but not the signs of the times. And we need to and to do that, we need to take responsibility for ourselves in doing this. This is in keeping with the prophetic tradition in the Hebrew scriptures that are referred to. We need to understand what's going on, and we need to respond properly, and we need to speak up when, when necessary. So uh, this is not just for prophets. This is not just for certain people who have been gifted to do this. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses verse 15, we read, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so we might find ourselves in a situation where we need to give a defense. It might be to an individual, it might be before authorities, but we should always be prepared to give an answer um, for the hope that is in us. That's an individual responsibility to give a response like that. Okay, we've talked long enough, I think, for now, on the Bible's emphasis on individual responsibility. Now let's see what the Bible says with regard to how to take a stand. Like, does the Bible equip us in any way to have that ability 
to take a stand that when everything around us is is saying we should go a particular way, we have the ability to say, no, that is not right. This is the right way that we need to, to walk in. I'd like to read Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so how are we able to take a stand? By knowing God and His Word. And this takes work. It just doesn't come naturally. By diligently studying God's Word, we we begin to develop powers of discernment trained by constant practice, and we have the ability to discern good from evil. Now, when I speak of knowing God's Word, I'm not thinking thinking of it as some people do, as a roadmap to heaven, as a sort of eternal life insurance policy, or a divine collection of hallmark cards to warm our hearts in a cold world, nor is it a declaration of some quirky ancient religion that gives us some sense of meaning in a meaningless world. I could go on about what God's Word isn't. What it is, is the Bible is God's exclusive holistic, and extensive written revelation of reality itself. While it is certainly that which provides a guaranteed connection to a glorious eternity with God, it provides deep encouragement in the most troubling of circumstances, and it imparts the only true sense of meaning in the world. It does so by expressing and demonstrating in intense, vivid ways, truth. The only way to know What to stand up for is by knowing Scripture intimately, allowing ourselves to be enveloped by its depth. And not only does it inform us as to what to stand for, it instructs us on how to stand. And so, we need to know God and His ways for ourselves. Now, thankfully, we read Yeshua saying in John 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. God is more keen for us to know Him and to hear Him than we will ever be. But we need to believe that He speaks to us through His written Word and by His Spirit. So we start by, we need to know the Bible for ourselves Now, I'm not saying we need to know the Bible by ourselves. We need other people to help us. We need good teachers. We need good books. Um, I I hope I'm helping with this this podcast. We're not on our own. But ultimately, we need to individually know God's Word. At the same time, as we study God's Word, we need to be willing to break free of misguided, interpretive lenses. And I try to do this every day. I've been studying the Bible now for decades. I have all sorts of ideas. I'm sharing some of them with you now. But as I get before God's Word, I'm hoping with God's help to see, oh, 
I thought that because I've always thought that, or that's what I was told, or it meant something to me, or it touched my heart years ago. And some ideas become like little pet ideas that I like to I like to coddle and hold close to my heart because they make me feel better, um, and this sort of thing. And then I, I have certain ideas that that aren't aren't necessarily popular, and and um, I I have to be careful to avoid pride oh i think i found something that other people haven't seen and this sort of thing i got to be really careful that i am humbly getting before god's word every day and letting god teach me in his word thankfully as i love to say because it's true we're dealing with a book where the author is not dead we I guess a lot of books, the author's not dead, but most of us don't have the opportunity to talk to the author when we don't uh, uh, when we don't understand something. We have that with the scriptures. God, as the ultimate author of of this set of writings is available to us to help us. Now, that doesn't mean, again, that we should just figure out everything on our own. We need other people to help us and to correct us where we might be getting things a little wrong, but ultimately it's God who desires to lead us in the truth of his word, and we need to take advantage of it. And when we do, then we will learn what things we need to stand up for and what things we could just leave alone. Now, we also need to have confidence in order to take a stand. And uh, now we're already told in, in Romans 12, verse 2, that we need to test. We as we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, we we test what is good and right and true. And, and we need to do that with confidence that God will help us to do that. We also need to give ourselves the permission to question or to disagree with, with what's going on, with what people are telling us about the Bible or what's going on in, in the world around us. And it seems to me that a lot of people don't have that permission. They'll feel like they have the permission to question. Some of this is cultural and something that I've, I've been learning in our own culture, in the Jewish culture, and we don't, we don't do this perfectly, uh, but there's been given this permission to, to question, to disagree with something, to, to say what we think. And, and again, that could easily become arrogance, it could be argumentative, we could be disagreeing for its own sake, but at least we have the permission culturally, to to question, to disagree. And I invite you to join me and others in this, that it's okay to question. And so many things are so easily clarified with the right question, and you might be the only one that sees this, whatever it is, from a particular angle. And if you could only come forth with your question, it could make such a huge difference. And I want to encourage you to do that with this podcast. Please send your questions or comments to comments at thinkingbiblically.org. I want to hear from you. Um, and so along with, you know, for some people, it's, it's it, questioning itself is a sin. But what? Are we just going to go along with anything? If we go along with anything, then we go along with everything, which just which just it takes us down the pathway to believing lies. Um, so don't only ask the question, but expect an answer. You know, if I can't answer your question or, or whoever you're dealing with, pursue the answer until you're satisfied. Now, sometimes there are certain things we may not have an answer for. Listen to your suspicions. Don't be controlled by them. You know, some, um, sometimes we can smell a rat where there's no rat, but there might be a rat. And um, I, I think it was on the podcast where I told the story of of um, 
of how I, how I smelled a rat that had ended up uh, making a nest in, in the wall in our home. And I followed that through. I knew something was wrong and I had to be satisfied uh, with whatever this suspicion that I had. And, and in that case, that was appropriate. Maybe it's not all, uh, if, if it, it's not always appropriate, but if you smell a rat, there might be one. Don't give in to pressure to go along. When you know something's up and all you're doing is being given pressure to do what other people want you to do because all it is is pressure. Now, again, it depends what it is. It depends what it is. But be very wary of pressure for its own sake, pressure without explanation, not, not being allowed to ask questions then don't excuse wrong. When you, when you see wrong happening and you know it's wrong, it's so easy, like, it's, oh, like, you know, they would never, you know, maybe a misunderstanding. We need to be more diligent in following, following through when we see that something is wrong. We need to beware of false loyalty. Loyalty to family, to community, to where you work, it's all important. But false loyalty is when... Um, a, a particular loyalty gets in the way of a higher loyalty. And those of us who believe in the God of Scripture, who believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, you know, God is our first loyalty. And when other things get in the way of that, we, we might need to call it out. Now, through all this, we still need to be humble. This is not a call to be arrogant and ornery. Um, at the same time, let's not be wimpy. And so this is where ask questions in a kind way don't be wishy-washy about it to the point that people don't really know what you're asking um but we might be wrong maybe we're wrong maybe the thing that's going on maybe it's a misunderstanding let's let's clarify it often when there's a misunderstanding about something usually people don't get offended um especially if we're asking in a humble sort of way oh this happened and did you you know i know it, did, it seemed very strange but did you mean to say this and and maybe we have to get better at asking some of those questions and and sometimes i do um sometimes i've come on too strong uh but does that mean i shouldn't ask the question it depends what's at stake and this is where we need god's help we need to be praying that god would guide us to know when we should challenge something how to challenge it when to take a stand and so on um we're here talking about what does the bible say about how to take a stand well clearly we need to put god before people we need to love God before we love people. Very often we think we're supposed to put those on the same plane. Sometimes we put loving people ahead of loving God, and that will get us into trouble. We need to put God first. We need to make sure that we put truth before unity. Some people seem to think that unity trumps truth. And, that, and there we go again. We're back to getting, going along to get along. Uh, but when going along to get along sacrifices what is true, what is good, what is right, then we don't we don't really have unity. We have this this um, manipulative form of conformity that doesn't help anyone. Now, as you've been listening to this, and as if you've uh, if you're still here with me, uh, perhaps you have failed on this issue. Perhaps you knew you should have spoken up and you didn't. Maybe it was a long time ago. Maybe it was, it was earlier this same day. Um, but you know that you failed. 
Well, that's okay. Failing isn't failure. God has made room for for failing. Um, And maybe it's better to say, failing doesn't mean you are a failure. As long as you have breath, you could do something about it. If you failed in something God's told you to do, then you confess that to God. Tell Him that you're sorry and ask Him what you should do now. If you should have said something to someone and you still can, you can go to them, apologize, and, and make it right. You don't have to leave it the way it is. Now, maybe there's things that, that there's so long ago, there's nothing you can do about it. Go to God about it and ask Him, what should you do? Um, we can learn by our failings. So let's do that. And so remember, so if we failed, ask forgiveness and make it right if possible. You only learn to stand by standing. I, unless you have some sort of a disability, you learn to stand. And it wasn't easy. You don't remember how difficult it was to learn this, to stand as a child. But most of us have. And back to how child children relate to things. Children relate to their failings very easily. They fall, they get back up again. And something happens as we get older. Shame sets in. And often when we we fail, we don't want to get up. We think we deserve to stay down. No. With God, we can always get up again. We learn to stand by standing. The feelings of fear when it's time to stand when no one else is standing, the feelings of fear may never go away. For some of us, it's always going to be difficult to live with the uncertainty of not knowing what's going to happen next. And there's many reasons for that. Don't put yourself down for that. Like for myself, I I, I tend to analyze a lot and and it it just kind of gets me going and and, and, and I, I can get hyped up. I can get anxious, but I need to push through. I need to remember, like many of us need to remember, God is going to take care of us even if we don't do life perfectly. Matthew 6.33, Yeshua said, but, first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God has committed himself to taking care of us. But note, it's as we seek his rule, his kingdom, and his right ways, his righteousness, as we're about his business, which includes standing up, speaking up when necessary, God will take care of us. Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This is not just saying God just takes care of people. It's those who are called according, those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. When you're about his business, you can count on. If your heart is truly for God, you can count on him working things out eventually for our good, for good. God is, is fulfilling his purposes in the world. If we're connected to those purposes, then he is going to work those things out for our good. Now, standing up, Speaking out, this is not about, I'm not calling for some sort of revolution. This is not about seeking to create a new dominant crowd to follow, which is what a lot of us want. It's, it's, it's that, that feeling of, of, um, of well, feeling better like the woman 
in the uh, in the brain games uh, segment how she felt better once she went along with the crowd. And so what? So there's some of us we don't want to go along with the crowd. We wish we had a crowd that we could go along with, and that's a trap. Um, even in healthy communities, we need to think for ourselves. In fact, that's the only way to ensure the health of any community. And so within our communities, we need to be better at working through our issues. Again, that's what I try to deal with in my Unity and Division podcast, which you can uh, look up after. And so speaking of thinking for yourself, what do you think? Do you agree with what I've been saying? Do you disagree? Please let me know. Um, Did I miss some things that I should have said? Are there things that I shouldn't have said? Let me know. You can write to comments at thinkingbiblically.org. Also, let me know if there are any issues that you think that we should be speaking up about and not enough people are doing that right now. Maybe we could discuss some of those in future episodes of this podcast. Again, write to me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. You can also leave your comments in the comments section below. Also, please don't forget to subscribe, to like, and to share. And so until next time, this is Alan Gilman, with Thinking Biblically.